Recording Cats Media presents Pandemic Episode 1 Patient Zero You live in Wuhan, China, a city about the size of Chicago. 11 million people live in this city. You are on your way home from work on this chilly, early December day. Tonight's dinner will be fried shrimp. The best shrimp in Wuhan is sold at the Wanan Seafood Market. You purchase shrimp from a kind, middle-aged lady who owns a stand. You know her well. Unbeknownst to you, though, she is suffering from what she thought was the flu, an ailment she gets just about every winter. She is not. She has a virus. And that virus infects you when you're buying the shrimp. You go home, and within 12 days, you're fighting for your life. A tube in your throat pumps oxygen into your chest. Your partner fares better than you, but still ends up in the hospital. Your four-year-old daughter does not get sick, and she ends up staying with your parents outside of Wuhan. Two weeks later, they were admitted to the hospital. Within a month, they both die from this new disease. They are among the first victims of a coronavirus that would cause a disease known as COVID-19. This podcast will unravel the spread of the disease across the planet, causing a pandemic, sickening millions and killing thousands. The previous story is mostly fiction. Yes, the virus probably started in Wuhan City, and the Wanan Seafood Market is believed to be the source. One person is also real. The lady behind the counter. She might be patient zero, according to the Wall Street Journal, who interviewed her. Her name is Wei Guishang, the owner of the seafood and shrimp stand in Wuhan Market. On December 10th, Miss Wei began feeling ill. She thought she had the flu and went to the local clinic. She had a dry cough, a sore throat, and felt tired. The clinic gave her pills, but the pills did not help. Instead, her symptoms grew in severity, so tired and miserable that she went to the local hospital. The doctor at the hospital gave her a shot. The shot did very little. The coughing steadily increased. Her sore throat felt like fire when she tried to swallow. and noticed a drop in energy. On the 16th, just six days after she started feeling ill, she struggled to get out of bed. Miss Wei went to the main hospital in Wuhan. The doctor examined her and called the illness ruthless. Two days later, she was hospitalized and she was fighting for her life. As other family members working with her at the seafood stand became ill with similar symptoms. 
the dry hollow cough, the burning sore throat, and severe fatigue or malaise. Miss Way worked from the time she fell ill until the 16th at the seafood stand, spreading the contagion the whole time. Miss Way was not quarantined until the end of December. Miss Way felt the government should have acted immediately and wasted time implementing the quarantine. The interview was published by the Wall Street Journal on March 6th and has been referred to by several different publications, including the New York Post. However, it is now clear it is very unlikely Miss Way is patient zero. I want to be clear. Miss Way's account is most likely the truth. It's the Wall Street Journal that made the leap that she was patient zero. A quick Google search finds a British medical periodical, Lancet, had published an article on January 24th. The Lancet started publishing in 1823. It is the world's oldest medical journal and is highly respected in the medical community. This article, written by a team of more than 20 doctors in China, used data from the World Health Organization and the Chinese National Health Service. The study submitted in The Lancet stated the numbers were double-checked by different staff members. It doesn't say whether they came from the World Health Organization, better known as WHO, or the Chinese National Health Service. The study was submitted to The Lancet, and it stated the numbers were double-checked by different staff members. A chart in the article provided the dates patients reported symptoms and if they had contact with the Huanan market. All patients mentioned in the article became ill during the month of December. One patient stands out, according to the chart. That patient was admitted on December 1st with COVID-19 and two more patients on the 10th. This is 10 and 6 days earlier than Miss Wei was it reported symptoms, or was admitted. I emailed The Lancet, and they responded by clarifying that the Chinese health service related to the chart represented the onset of symptoms, not admission dates, as previously reported. So they clarified it, saying this is when the person reported symptoms, not an admission to the hospital. And I appreciate that from The Lancet. They were quick to respond, too. That makes this particular patient zero, the unnamed patient who fell ill 10 days earlier than Miss Wei. And also, they had no contact with the Wanan seafood market. The Chinese government refuses to name the patient and the patients in the study, any of them. While these mystery patients have so far remained identified by the media or the Chinese government, the chart makes it very clear the patient began feeling sick on the 1st of December, and they had no connection with the wanted seafood market. Not to be too redundant, I just want to make sure that's very clear. How Miss Wei became patient zero when another patient was taken ill 10 days before she felt sick remains unanswered. And also, where did this person pick up the virus, if not at the market? The study, it creates more questions than answers. 
The Lancet published the article, the study, on the 24th of January, six weeks before the Wall Street Journal's article. So that makes me question the Wall Street Journal, and I sent them an email. Why didn't the Wall Street Journal do a simple Google search? And how did they conclude Miss Way was patient zero? Contact has been made with the Wall Street Journal, like I mentioned earlier, and but they have yet to respond. If I do get an update, I'll put it in the podcast. So on to the next patient zero mystery. This one comes from the South China Morning Post, a Hong Kong newspaper owned by billionaire Jack Ma. Mr. Ma made his money by starting a shopping and delivery website called Alibaba, China's equivalent to Amazon. Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, buys the Washington Post. Jack Ma buys Hong Kong's oldest daily newspaper, the South China Morning Post. There is a thing, but Jack Ma must be careful not to irritate the Chinese communist authorities. Unlike here in the U.S., Donald Trump can rail against the Washington Post, call it fake news, and tweet his dislike of Jeff Bezos. But if Jack Ma irritates China's Xi Jinping, the premier, he could lose his billions and end up in prison. So the South China Morning Post, a.k.a. SCMP, must be careful. However, the SCMP does criticize the Chinese Communist Party, but never Xi directly. Sorry, let's get back to patient zero. So on March 13th, SCMP reported viewing documents from the Chinese government related to a new possible patient zero. The documents disclosed patient zero may have been a 55-year-old resident in Hubei province, the province that contains Wuhan City. Confirmation that this is patient zero has not yet been determined. The documents previewed by the SCMP relate this patient contracted COVID-19 on November 17th, the earliest known case at this time. Unfortunately, the March 13th piece provides no further information. This does not help the article's validity. Now, there are times the South China Morning Post proves very reliable. Very recently, the newspaper reported the release of a research paper that changes everything. An international research team from several countries focused on genetically tracing the virus. The researchers announced the SARS-CoV-2, the coronavirus that is responsible for COVID-19, mutated into its now infectious state sometime between early September and early December 2019. The team, headed by scientists from the University of Cambridge in England, released the paper that is set for publication in the journal, and this is a mouthful, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America. Fortunately, or kind of unfortunately, better known as the acronym PNAS. I am not going to phonetically pronounce this acronym. 
As this is a family podcast, the research team's ability to trace the virus grew as new samples became available from all over the world. The team confirmed the virus originated in horseshoe bats, but may have lived in another animal until it made the leap to humans, or even crazier, it could have existed in a human for months until it mutated to its now deadlier COVID-19 form. The bat's version of the bug is 96% similar to the human version. Surprisingly, there are 160 different types or mutations of the human version of the virus that causes COVID-19. Most of these genetic changes cause no significant differences to the actual behavior of the virus. However, three distinct strains of this virus have emerged. They are simply named Type A, Type B, and Type C. Type A, found mainly in the U.S. and Australia, strangely is genetically closer to the original virus than Type B, predominantly found in Eastern Asia and Type C found mostly in Europe and Mexico. Mexico is a prime example of how genetic tracing can benefit in the tracking the spread of the disease. A Mexican traveler who returned from Italy on the 28th of February started the spread of the virus in Mexico. The Mexican version of the virus also has distinct differences to the U.S. version of the virus. The Italian version which is Mexico's forerunner, comes from China via Germany. A German tourist had been in China on business on the 27th of January. According to the paper, the virus mutated 10 times within a month. So this virus is genetically quite different from the virus here in the U.S. The earliest sample of the virus has been sequenced is from a sample taken on 24 December. The team wants to acquire an earlier sample in hope of finding patient zero. A rumor that has gained traction with the media is the speculation that this pandemic started due to lax procedures at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The scientists at the lab vehemently denied this accusation and scientists from the U.S. and Europe who worked at the lab also find this theory unlikely. However, President Trump asked the intelligence agencies to investigate this as a possible source of the virus. The State Department has communiques mentioned concerns that the lab techs were sloppy in following safety protocols from a few years ago. There is a possibility Patient Zero could be a lab tech who was exposed to the virus while conducting research, or simply working there. The story is developing, and I will provide updates as more information becomes available. Each day, the hope is to find patient zero. The information obtained from patient zero's blood will unlock a bevy of vital information. It may answer the basic question of, how did this start? And more importantly, can we stop it through vaccination? There will be more patient zeros in our future. Finding this one could lead to new cures and help fight 
pandemics in the coming years. Still, even with those resources focused on locating patient zero, it could take months or unfortunately possibly years. After the break, what exactly is the virus and what is the difference between COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2? At the heart of this slow-motion train wreck is the virus that causes COVID-19. SARS-CoV-2, SARS meaning Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, COV is simply coronavirus, and 2 refers to this being the second outbreak of a SARS coronavirus. The first one happened in 2002 and 2003. So what exactly is a virus? Virus is on the edge of life. It's not life as we see it. It does not have cells or any key cell components, no mitochondria, the engine of the cell, or nucleus that stores genetic information, or cytoplasm, the fluid inside a cell that helps keep its shape. It's just a strand of RNA surrounded by protein, RNA being ribonucleic acid. It's a single strand of genetic material, whereas DNA, deoxynucleic acid, is a double strand of genetic material found in the nucleus of most living cells. Viruses do not feed, create energy, or swim around. It does one thing, and it is very good at that one thing. It replicates. Most viruses are incredibly small. So small they cannot be seen with a microscope. Once the germ theory was accepted and became common knowledge that bacteria cause certain diseases, scientists noticed a gap. Some diseases could not be explained. There were theories that there was something else besides bacteria that caused illnesses. No one could find them. That changed in 1932. Viruses were found and identified using an X-ray microscope. Once found, they seemed almost alien compared to the organisms they inhabited. Viruses infect all types of life, from plants to animals to bacteria. A virus replicates by hijacking a cell to clone itself by using the cell's proteins and energy to create more viruses inside the cell. They also come in all shapes and sizes. One virus in particular is a circle with three legs that uses the outer two legs as the leverage for the middle leg to puncture the cell and inject their genetic material inside it. It kind of sounds like a horror movie. Viruses use cells to replicate their RNA by remaining inside the cell until enough copies are made, usually destroying the cell in the process. The infected cells burst, freeing the virus to infect more cells. The SARS-CoV-2 is more refined on entering and exiting cells. 
It does not inject its RNA into a cell. It uses a more refined technique. Cells have receptors that regulate what is allowed in a cell and keeps out what it does not want. The SARS-CoV-2 picks the lock by using a copy of the key, gaining entrance to the cell to begin using the cell's resources to replicate, making clones of itself inside the cell. It will use any cell that it bumps into, usually starting with the cells inside your nose. Also, unlike Ebola, which destroys the cell by forcing the cell to explode, the virus causing COVID-19 slips out of the cell by a similar method it used to gain entry. It mimics the exit code, and the cell obliges by releasing it. It's more complicated than how I'm describing it, but I'm keeping it simple for me to understand it. This does not go unnoticed by the body, and the nose starts to secrete fluids, causing a runny nose. This fluid enters your throat, making it sore as the virus uses the cells lining your throat to replicate. Also, eventually, if unchecked, the SARS-CoV-2 will spread to all parts of your body, bringing pain, vomiting, and diarrhea. Your muscles will ache as the virus uses your muscle cells to make copies of itself. The most effective way the body combats viruses is by creating antibodies that prevent the virus from using its imitation key to enter the cells. Once the virus population cannot continue to grow, other antibodies begin a search-and-destroy campaign on the virus, hunting it down and killing it. This is a very simplified explanation, as I mentioned earlier, on how the body and the virus operate. The body's immune system is the best medicine to combat the virus. We are surrounded by viruses, and our body is home to numerous viruses, some good and some not so good. Unfortunately, some of the deadliest diseases are caused by a virus. Smallpox, chickenpox, Ebola, polio, measles, and all the hepatitises are caused by viruses. And that's just to mention a few. So why now? SARS-CoV-2 probably existed in bats for centuries. Why did it make the leap now? Probably has happened many times before and just failed to spread. How well it spreads depends on how well the virus adapts to humans. There are two levels of spreading, limited and sustained. The previous outbreaks due to coronavirus, MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, and SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, both of these are considered limited. Both require continuous contact with a contagious patient. The SARS-CoV-2, on the other hand, is a sustained virus. That would be difficult to eradicate. Both SARS and MERS were and are easy to contain, respectively. Since 2004, SARS has disappeared. No new cases since the original outbreak. The MERS, or Middle East Respiratory Syndrome variant, that infects humans is not easy to contract. Most early victims, most of the early victims of the disease 
had either extended exposure to camels or to the illness. So why now? Why didn't this virus jump from animals a hundred years ago or thousands of years ago? We did have outbreaks hundreds and thousands of years ago. Some of the most deadliest outbreaks are viruses. Smallpox came from cattle. Swine flu from pigs. Spanish influenza and SARS from domesticated fowl. As the world's population has risen from 3 billion in 1960 to almost 8 billion today, to put this in perspective, mankind did not reach 1 billion until 1804. It took 123 years to reach 2 billion. Every 12 years, mankind grows by 1 billion. As man and our animals take up more space, we are going to bump into diseases. Africa is the continent with the fastest growing population, a population that has pushed into the jungles and mountains. New viruses have made the leap from animals to humans. AIDS, Marburg, and Ebola are three deadly viruses that have spawned from that continent. I suspect this is the first of many outbreaks. SARS, MERS, swine flu of 2009 gave us a chance to, to prepare for COVID-19. So what happened? How did we get this so bad? How did we drop the ball this poorly? I hope I can find answers in the coming weeks as I unfold the tragedy of our pandemic, this pandemic, COVID-19. If you like the show, please rate this podcast. It is uh, simple and easy. If you do not like the podcast, the rating process is long, difficult, and confusing. I wouldn't waste my time. If you really like the podcast, I have a Patreon site for donations. This is now my full-time job, as like many Americans, I have been laid off. The website for donations is www.patreon.com, Herding Cats Media. There are three tiers, and I will have merch for $5 and $20 donations for one year. I am not sure what to do yet with the $1 donate donators, but I appreciate those just as much as the 5 and 20s. All patrons will be recognized on the air at the end of my podcast, unless they would like to remain anonymous. If you have comments about the, the podcast, which I appreciate any comments, email is herdingcatsmedia, LLC, at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook at Herding Cats Political Podcast. Facebook is HTTPS, www.facebook.com, Herding Cats Political Podcast. It'll be in the show notes. There's a, a number after it. I'm not going to go through that. But you can also do a search on Facebook and find me that way. I'm also on Twitter at Herding Cats at Steel Camp Ohio. Finally, I, I will work on my phonetics. I know it's a, a weakness of mine. And the sound quality, it's a homemade studio with a very low budget. so. Sometimes it comes across that way, I know. The sound quality is what it is. And uh, eventually I'll have an Instagram account and maybe even some videos. But I must warn you, I have a radio face. I will leave it at that. Good luck and good night.